Praise God. This is your first time being with us today. We welcome you to the house of the Lord. We pray that you receive the prayer card on your way in. But if you did not, we'd love to join with you in prayer. And you can get one of those on the way out because we really do believe that God answers prayer. Amen. Praise God. The past uh, two weeks we've been talking about as part of our 21 days of prayer, we have been talking about also resetting our lives, resetting our lives in prayer, resetting our focus on God, resetting every area of our life and the things of life. And we started the first Sunday by saying that we have to reset our spirit. Our spirit must come in line with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no life outside of Christ. Amen. And then last week we talked about resetting our body and uh, Pastor Morgan came along and shared with us about how that we are, our bodies are to absorb the presence of God, the anointing of God, that we are to be carriers of the anointing and our lives and that's what we have to focus on and whenever we focus that our bodies are are the temple of God then we take on the nature of God and so then that which once was impossible becomes possible that which is uh improbable will become probable those things that God has ordained and we look at it and say well that's miraculous that's a miracle yes it is outside of the realm of the spirit but whenever our bodies have absorbed the presence of God then we expect miracles three of you we expect signs and wonders We expect the delivering, working power of God on the inside of our lives. Amen. And so today I want to finish this series by telling you that we must have our soul renewed as well. We have to reset our souls. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's what the soul is made up of. Many times it refers to Whenever you look up and you see soul in the Bible, it refers to it in the feminine gender, uh, such as times when David said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. The reason why is because that we are not controlled by our soul. We are controlled by our spirit. Amen. And so our soul must line up with the spirit. So it is submissive to the spirit. But we have to reset our minds. Amen. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. He said, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That which is prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Our souls must be renewed. And the way that we renew them is by renewing how we think about a thing. Our perspective, how we think, becomes our reality. 
And so if we think away, it does not mean that it is so, but to us it becomes our reality. And so as a man thinks in his heart, so, so is he. The culture that we live in is doing, is, is, that we're living in, doesn't want you to think for yourself. Amen. They want to tell you how to think. Amen. That's what commercials are all about. Choosy mothers choose. Yeah. So if you don't care about your children, just go buy any kind of peanut butter. But if you're choosy, you will choose Jif. Amen. That's what, what commercials are all about. They are to tell you how you think about a thing. Not only is it so in uh, food, but in every area of our life, they want us to think a certain way, so they bombard our minds with these advertisements, with these thoughts, so that we will think such a way. We are bombarded every day. We see commercials. We see billboards. We see ads. We, we have people all around us that are telling us how to think about every situation in our lives. They want to tell us how, what to eat. They want to tell us what to wear. Because if you don't have this kind of clothes, you're not cool. Amen. And uh, if you don't eat this kind of food, you're not in. And uh, they want to tell us how to run our lives. They want to tell us how to vote. Amen. We are living in a day that we, the church, have, because the voice of the prophet has been silenced in the house of God, we are living in a day that the church is now having to deal with what I would call a bullfrog syndrome. Well, you, you can take a, you know, I know most of you all probably don't know anything about it, but I, I like eating me some frog legs. Amen. I know most of you prefer chicken, but that's because you ain't never ate a frog leg. But you can take, you can take, a bullfrog and you can put him in a bucket or a pot of water, cold water, and he is alive, he is capable of jumping out any time that he wants to, and you can put a fire underneath that bullfrog and that begin to heat that water up slowly. And if you heat that water up slowly, the bullfrog that has the potential and ability to leap out chooses to stay on the inside not knowing that all the time the water is warming and warming and changing so slowly that he chooses to remain in the water. Not, not understanding that as his body, as he, the water is heating, his body is adjusting to the temperature of the water that is ever slow changing until it is too late for his body to respond to the boiling water. And he dies in the pot he could have jumped out of. I believe this is a prime example of where the American church is. 
We have set in a culture and an atmosphere that is ever slowly changing, if I can even say it that way anymore. Because the past 10 years, I told a friend of mine the other day that if you was to extract somebody from this world or America 10 years ago and place them back into ministry today, they would be totally confused about where we are. Because the culture has changed around us and the church has set in the culture and become a part of the culture instead of developing a counterculture. Amen. But I want to tell you that God has not called us to live in the pot that is ever-changing. He has called us to be, amen, an ever-changing component of ourselves and our, 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 the power of God and the presence of God because what my concern is today is that the church has so changed that we have slowly changed into something that God never intended for us to be and therefore we can no longer recognize that which we are supposed to be a part of. You see, I, I understand, and, and I understand today that if this is your first time here and you never come back again, then, then you won't get the whole gospel. You won't get the whole truth. We don't have time to preach the complete truth on one Sunday, but just keep on coming. Amen. But we have changed so much on, and making conven- it convenient for people that we have forgotten that Christianity is about a lifestyle of sacrifice. If it isn't convenient, we don't want to go. If it's not convenient, we no longer want to be a part of it. But I want to tell you today, flat-footed, standing here as your pastor, without sacrifice, there is no salvation. If Jesus had not have died on the cross of Calvary, there would be no remission for sin. There must be, Jesus said, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow after him. Without sacrifice, there is no gospel. And so we have to realize today that if we're going to be the church that God intended for us to be, we can't stay in the pot with the world, but there has to be be a transformation in our mind and say we're not here to be a wallflower church we're not here to fit in with the culture and with society but we're here to undo outdo and ever undo everything the devil has ever done and tell the world that Jesus Christ is greater than every circumstance and every situation in our lives People say, well, what is, they ask us what has happened to the church. Well, I can tell you what has happened to the church. We're living in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But knowing this, that in the last days, perilous times will come when men will become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. It's all about me. Amen. It's all about me. Me, me, me. What am I going to get out of it? What can you do for me? Huh? It's a consumer mentality that we are having to deal with today 
where that we become lovers of ourselves more than lovers of God. But whatever happened to making sacrifice for God? Whatever happened to denying ourselves? Watch, he said there, see if it sounds familiar, lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to children or parents, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control. Huh? (coughs) Brutal, despisers of good, headstrong, hidey, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form, you know what a form is, right? Form, it's, it's the appearance of, but it has no substance. Have the form of godliness, but don't have any power. From such people turn away. From such people turn away. Why? Because if you don't, if you have the form, but you don't have any power, then you're lying. It's called false advertisement. Amen. Because you suggest come and your life can be changed. But if there's no power. Amen. Come and and, and your life will be better. But if there's no power. There has to be a power which is able to change you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There has to be a power that is greater than the power that has held you in bondage and captivity all of your life. There has to be a power because we're not playing church. We're not playing life. We are living in reality, my brothers and sisters, and we are living in a time whenever we can no longer just go socially with the culture of the day but there must be a church that emerges out of the ashes and go back to being the book of Acts and say we will be the church of the living God. We will declare the work of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. You see, from that kind of atmosphere where people talk but have no power, people turn away. They come to the church, but there's no power, so they turn away. Huh? Fifteen short years ago, coming up just in a few days, we in America recognized and experienced a shift in the way America would exist or be. In 9-11, where were you at 9-11? I can tell you where I was at, and I'm sure you can. As the news media came, and I remember being downstairs in my study when Renee come and said, my goodness, somebody has just flew, or the plane has just went into the towers in New York. I went up and seen it for a little bit. I go back downstairs and she says, another plane. I said, that isn't, that, that, that has to be right there. That is something wrong going on here. It don't take a, I'm not saying I was a genius. I just said, this ain't natural. This isn't an accident. Something's going on here. I remember the people 
at the church calling saying, can we just have prayer? I said, yes, without any kind of, you know, at that time, you didn't have all of the stuff that you have now, but just by the word of mouth, we opened the church and the church was full that night, people praying. Because we understood something and we seen something that we at our generation had never seen before. We seen that America was vulnerable. We seen that our nation could be destroyed. We seen something we had never seen before. And so America became fearful. That Sunday came and it, and it tells us historically that that is the greatest Sunday for the next three Sundays in a row. It was the greatest attendance in the American church since the Great Depression. Why? Because people were looking for God. People were looking for this God that was able to save them, deliver them, and help them. They were looking for a church that was able to give them hope. But three weeks later, they went back to the world. Three weeks later, they said, this isn't working for us. Three weeks later, they said, they have the form, but we're not seeing the God. Thank you. So they went back to the world. That's an indictment against the church. Amen. Today, fast forward here 15 short years, and we have tragedies every day. And people aren't looking for the church. Huh? Just this, I think it was this past week, right? 26 people died in one night in Huntington with heroin. And where is the church? We have come to a time whenever we cannot tell the difference between the church and the world. Life, we, our life is the same. We sound the same. We act the same. And the only hope for America that there is is that there be a spiritual awakening to the things of God. Not just in word, but in deed. Not just in word, but in actions. Amen. We are no longer affected by the tragedy that we face all along. We have become, we have become desensitized. Huh? We have become desensitized to tragedy and devastation until we can sit at our, our dinner table, if we sit at the dinner table, watch the news on our TV and never be alarmed, never be phased by the world's events, by the wars and the rumors of wars, the devastation that is in our back door. We continue as though nothing has ever happened. We continue by saying, pass the ketchup and give me another round of potatoes, and it never phases us. Why? We have become so used to the dark. We become used to 
all these natural events that take place around about us until we are no longer phased by hurting, broken, lost humanity, lost and undone without God, dying and going into eternity lost. Why are people not coming to the church? during tragic events because we've had a form of godliness but we don't have the power. I heard in my spirit a few months ago this scripture, Hebrews 12 and verse 26, starting in verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth but now he is has promised saying yet once more I shake not the earth only but also the heavens and this word yet once more signifying that the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain therefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptable with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let me read it to you in the message. Is that okay? So don't turn a deaf ear to those gracious words. If those who ignore earthly warnings did not get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that at times shook the earth to its foundation, this time he's told us this quite plainly. He'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from the top to the bottom, stern Uh, Stem to stern and phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historic and religious junk so that unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship deeply reverent before God for God is not a indifferent bystander he's actively cleansing his house torching all that needs to be burned that he won't quit until all is cleansed my our God himself is fire God is doing something today in his church because judgment must begin first at the house of God. And I've spoke with friends of mine from Seattle, Washington to the eastern coast. And one thing resounds from the mid-states to wherever you are, there is a shift and a shaking that is taking place. That God is working a work 
in his body. He is moving. He is cleansing. He is stirring us and preparing us because the reality of it is, as, as I've said before, that the only hope that we have for America is a great awakening. I thank God for revival. I believe in revival. But, but we will, revival will not sustain us. Revival will not do it in this hour in which we live. There must be an awakening that takes place. You said, what is the difference between revival and awakening? Revival comes to the church, but an awakening causes everyone to know that God is God. Amen. Awakening comes as Smith Wigglesworth and D.L. Moody would come into town and, and history would tell us that circuses would shut down because nobody would go to the circus, but they went to the man of God and heard the word of the Lord. That's an awakening. Amen. The power of God, whenever Smith Wigglesworth would go into town and whole factories would shut down as men would fall on their face and cry out to God and say, I must be saved and they didn't even know he had come into town that is an awakening that's a transformation that is taking place and I tell you today that that isn't something that we are exempt of it is something that is mandatory for our nation there must be an awakening in this last day and God's going to start with his church The Lord early of the morning reminded me of this and a few days later a friend of mine called me and he, it was late in the night and he said I was going to wait till tomorrow but the spirit would speak to me and said I must tell, call you and talk to you about this. He said I seen in the spirit the hand of God came down from heaven and he said that whenever it came down it went underneath his church and he picked it up. And when he picked it up, he said it pulled the church out of the roots and everything that was connected to it, and it began to fall off. He said, then God took and he took and turned the church upside down and began to shake it so that the door was down toward the ground. And he said he began to shake it, and as he began to shake it, that everything that man had made, everything that man had held on to all of these years began to fall fall out and he said once it was all fallen out everything that man had held on to man had built up he said he took his church and he placed it right back down and he said when he did he said the fire of God filled the house and people started coming into the house of the Lord until it was filled and his glory touched their lives I said to him, I said, that is, a, that is not just a, a vision, but I said, that is a truth because it is backed up exactly what Hebrews said was going to happen in these last days. Amen. Most of the time we think of shakening, we think that it is a destructive thing. There's earthquakes every day. We just don't know about them because they don't affect us. Huh? But this week in Italy... They had an earthquake that has killed over 300 people. Tsunamis are created by earthquakes that are under the ocean's floor. And whenever tsunamis come, they destroy complete cities. 
On March the 11th, 2011, Japan was hit by a tsunami that killed 13,895 people. There was another 13,864 that were never found. There was 143,343 people that were left homeless. In India in 2004, the ocean began to quake and convulse. And they said that there was 20 or 230,000 people that lost their lives to the tsunami. The shaking of God does not come to destroy us. It comes to cleanse us so we can be more like him. God's kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. That means it doesn't, it isn't based on the economy of this world. It is not based upon the circumstances of this world. It is not based upon whether we believe it or do not believe it. It is not based upon the culture of the day. The kingdom of God is an unshakable kingdom because it is built upon the kingship of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Whatever is of God cannot be shaken. The shaking does not come to kill us. It comes to awaken us. Have you ever had somebody you couldn't get awake? What do you do? You call their name. If you call their name and they don't answer, you shake them. Amen. I believe God's already called our name. Huh? But we haven't awakened, so he's shaken us. Ephesians 5 and 14 said, Arise, you who sleeps, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Proverbs 6 and 9 said, How long will you slumber, O slugger? And when will you arise from your sleep? Romans 13 tells us, And do... This knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of the sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Amen. The moral culture has declined. And it's not awakened us. Tragedy has come and it's not moved us. Sin and immorality has not awakened us. So God has come to shake us. And I say to you today that this shaking isn't to kill us, but it is to awaken us. Amen. The earth, whenever Jesus died, the earth went into convulsions. The Bible said that when Jesus hung between heaven and earth, the skies became dark and the earth began to shake. Amen. And I believe today that there is a shaking that is going on that is speaking to us that there may have been a death, but there is also a resurrection. Amen. Still shaking. The the Bible declares to us that the earth is still in groanings. It is still in convulsions. Why? It is for the earnest expectation of the manifestation of the sons of God. Creation is waiting for man 
mankind to take their rightful place in creation and say we are here not just to be bystanders but we're here to impose the will of God in the earth because you see my brothers and sisters we are not here to see how much hell we can go through just to make it through this life but we are here to impose the will of God in the earth you and I are ambassadors of Jesus Christ you and I are born of his his flesh spirit and therefore because we are born of his spirit we're divine nature of Christ Jesus lives on the inside of us and so therefore what Jesus did we are supposed to do and what did he do he began to speak and the seas obeyed his voice he declared the word of the Lord and it was obedient to whatever he said creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God to rise up take our rightful place and say we're here not just to hold on but we're here to impose the kingdom of God upon this earth because creation remembers what it was like whenever Jesus walked the earth and with one word or two words peace be still creation had to obey the voice of God this this shaking is about an awakening it took a shaking for Paul and Silas to be free amen we talked about it a while ago in our worship set Amen, but it's more than just the song. Melissa referred to it, and it, the freedom does, is not just from things that, that in our life that, that people see. You have to be free in your mind before you can be free anywhere else. Amen. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be in bondage in your mind, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. He said, I want you to be set free with the gospel. Paul and Silas were in the inner prison cell. It's a picture of our minds. And the scripture declares that they went in and the Bible said that the earth began to shake. Until the doors of the prison came open. Amen. See, I want to tell you this morning that the prison of your mind has to be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he comes with a shakening so that you can be free from the bondage and from the tormentor. Amen. And from the fear that comes with the enemy. Amen. Jesus paid a great price. And I'm just here to say today, amen, and unashamedly, that I still believe that Jesus sets the captive free. I still believe, I know that people don't want to acknowledge it, but I want to tell you today that Jesus paid too a greater price for us just to come out of darkness into light and still stay bound. But he paid that price through his blood so that you and I could be set free in our spirit, our soul, and our body. Glory to God. And so what we need to understand today is that God didn't save us, he didn't call us out of darkness so we could come and live in bondage and just sit in the church oh no the devil is a liar I believe that the power of God is still true I believe the power of God just
just like it set Paul and Silas free, it has come to set us free. For whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. We're not here to condemn bondage. We're not here to condemn, amen, the things that the enemy has put upon you. I'm just here to tell you that you can be set free from the bondage of the enemy. Amen. He wants to set you free. Tell your neighbor, be free indeed. Amen. Jesus paid too great a price for us to sit around and be in bondage. If he can set you free in your spirit, what makes you think he cannot set you free in your mind and your body? Amen. The shaking isn't about destroying. The shaking is about awakening to the reality of who Christ is. Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them around about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. Notice there that it says they were very dry. This is speaking of Israel's hope. It's speaking of their potential for anything to ever change. And they said that it is very dry. Hope was gone. They didn't think this thing could ever happen again, right? And so he said that it was very dry. Verse 3. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, those, these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into them. That's the ruach. That's the spirit. That's the breath of God right there. That word breath means ruach. It is the breath, the spirit, the same thing that God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. He's saying, I'm going to breathe into them and it's going to enter them and they shall live. Amen. Verse 6. And I will lay sinew upon them and I will bring flesh upon them and cover them with skin and put breath in them and they shall live and they shall know that I am the Lord. When's the last time you've seen something done that you said that's the Lord? When when was the last time you seen something that they said that must be God because nobody else could do that right there? Amen. Next verse. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise 
And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. Then I said unto, he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy son of man and say to the wind, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these that are slain that they may live. Hallelujah. So I prophesied as I was commanded and breath came upon them and they lived and they stood up into their feet an exceedingly great army. Glory to God. Then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. And we are cut off our part. I've cut off our parts. Therefore prophesy unto them and say unto them to God, behold, O my people, I will open the graves and I will cause them to come out of the graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Glory to God. You say, well, what's that got to do with us? Well, I'll tell you what it's got to do with us. If God did it then, he can do it now. Amen. I said, if he'd done it then, he can do it now. God took these bones of an Ezekiel's day, and the Bible said they were very dry. Amen. Have you ever had someone when you was in a situation or circumstance, you knew where you were, but they wanted to let you know how bad it was? And they tell you how bad it was. This is where they were at. They said, all hope is lost. They're not just dry. They're very dry. And the valley is full of bones. God showed Ezekiel this bleak situation. Then he asked him this crazy question. Can these bones live? It's easy to believe for somebody else's bones. But can these bones live? It's easy to talk about someone else's life, but can your bones, your valley, your dryness, can, can God resurrect it? Can it live again? Can your marriage live again? Can your children live again? Can your dream live again? Can your promise, can, can it get up out of the very dry valley of bones and live again can it live again it's been in the valley so long and it's so dry that the scripture says it was very dry but can it live again you see after a while when you walk through a valley for so long and the valley has become dry and the river beds have dried up and there is no rain in sight your hope begins to fade and and you begin to wonder can it really live again can this promise of God I know God promised but but does did he know I was going to walk through this situation I I know God gave it to me but did did he really know that all these circumstances and situation did he know how dry it was going to be I declare to you today yes he knew because he knows the beginning from the end because he's the author and the finisher
finisher of our faith, praise God. And so he knows where we walk. He knows what we're going to go through. He knows the valley. He knows the dry season. He knows the difficulty that we face. But he says to us, can it live again? Can these dry bones, flesh done gone, life is no longer there. There isn't even any use for CPR. Everything is gone. Can these bones get up from here? So what do you do when you're led to the valley full of very dry bones? What do you do when there's no hope in sight? What do you do when it seems like that all hope is gone? Everything is lost. God says to Ezekiel, prophesy. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. You don't agree with the situation you find yourself in. Your natural mind gets focused on what is wrong, how dry these bones are. If you don't know how dry they are, somebody will be willing to tell you how dry they are. Huh? If you don't know how hopeless the situation is, Job's friends will come and find you and tell you how hopeless the situation is, how bad it is, how lonely it is, amen. But in the middle of all that is going on, in the middle of all of the dryness, in the middle of the loneliness, in the middle of how bad it is, you have to have enough spiritual tenacity to rise up and change the focus of your mind and say I will not focus on how dry it is, how bad it is, how lonely it is I will renew my mind what am I going to renew my mind with? I hear the word of the Lord Amen. And in the middle of this situation I make a choice I make a choice to renew my mind I make a choice that with meekness I receive the engrafted word of God which is able to save my mind, my will, and my emotions. Amen. And so I don't conform to this world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind which comes through hearing of the word of God. So what do you do when you're not hearing God's voice? What do we do when the resounds aren't coming from heaven? When it's not reverberating in our spirit? What do we do whenever we don't hear the word of the Lord? You speak his eternal word. Because his word, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. There is not a more sure word than the written word. Huh? Come on, scholars. I said there's nothing more certain than the written word of God. Amen. Thank God for prophecy. Thank God. Amen. For the gifts of the spirit. But there's not a more sure word than the word that has been written. And you can go into your situation and your circumstance and you can find your situation and begin to prophesy to your situation. Hallelujah. What do you prophesy? You prophesy what you've heard the word of the Lord say you declare the word of the Lord that I shall live and not die and declare the word of the Lord in the land of the living that me and my house shall be saved amen that we declare that we are the 
the righteousness of God, the royalty of God, that his royal blood is flowing through our veins. We may not feel like it, but I'm a partaker of his divine nature. I'm complete. I'm chosen. I'm called out. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not about how I feel. It's about what God has said. And what God has said is that we have the power to change the valley that we're in. How do we change it? By the way we think. What do we prophesy? We prophesy what God says. Amen. We say to the season we're in that you are over. Amen. And a new season has come. We say that the atmosphere and the climate is shifting. We declare that we will not waste our energy on where we have been, but we will only focus on where we are headed. Amen. We declare that we are the children of God in this this season, that Gideons will rise up from beating the wheat and they will come into making wine. Hallelujah. How many know that Gideon wasn't supposed to be out hiding behind the barn? He was to be at the wine press making wine. Come on, somebody. And there's a season in our life when God will take us from the back and he'll bring us to the forefront he'll call us out amen and so we have to make a decision that we declare in a season we make declaration we stand in the middle of our valley of dry bones and we declare the word of the lord amen we declare that that we will be a place of righteousness we declare that we will be the head and not the tail we declare that this is a season of joy and laughter we declare that it will reign again and these bones these bones my bones these situations shall live again glory to God amen he prophesied until there was a noise amen he prophesied until there was a noise a noise where all there is is bones But a noise came. He prophesied until there was a noise. When a baby is born, there's excitement, there's anticipation, but there's also anxiety until you hear a noise. But whenever the scream comes, whenever the cry comes, Hallelujah. You know that new life has come. And God told Ezekiel, I don't want you just to go and and enjoy being alone. I don't want you to go and, and get comfortable with dry bones, but I want you to prophesy until new life comes. How do you know when new life comes? A sound comes forth. Hallelujah. Prophesy over your marriage until you hear the noise of laughter again. Prophesy over your children until you hear the noise of worship in their life prophesy over your dream until you hear the noise of those dry bones coming together and know that God's word is not a lie but he will watch over his word and hasten to perform it we must prophesy until we hear the noise prophesy until you hear the moving something's shaking something's moving until the atmosphere shifts and it feels like heaven right here on the earth you've got to prophesy until heaven kisses the earth (laughs) 
prophesy to yourself until your soul is renewed. Amen. Heaven begins to shake and the earth begins to quake. And you know there is a shifting that is taking place that is setting you in alignment for the blessing and the favor and the promise of God to come to pass in your very life. Amen. You see, people don't like, like storms. Does anybody like storms? Some people like storms to hear them if they're in the house in a place of safety. But nobody likes to be in the storm. But there's a sound that comes in the midst of storms. It's the thunder that roars. It's the lightning that flashes and cracks as it hits the ground. And all of that is a warning sign that it's about to rain. We can get caught up in the thunder. We can get caught up in the light, lightning. And we can say, oh God, not again. But it's the storms of your life that produce the rain that will bring in the next harvest in the next season of your life. So I come today to tell somebody just endure the storm because it's going to rain again. The fruit's going to fill the vine. Amen. The vine's are going to bend with wheat. The grapes are going to burst forth with wine. So we can go into our harvest field and we can reap yet another harvest. But we have to change our mind. We've got to change our focus. Melissa, please. We cannot see the world as our enemy. We must see the world as our harvest field. We cannot live in a complacent spirit of apathy and think that we're going to make a difference for God. We have to rise up and say, we'll be different. Amen. We will be different. We will choose to prophesy. Let people laugh. Let people mock. Let people criticize. But I'm going to stand into my field and I'm going to prophesy over these bones that haven't rose up yet, that haven't lived for a long time, that are hopeless and have no chance of ever rising up, I'm going to stand and I'm going to prophesy to these bones until they hear the word of the Lord and they live. God said they rose up an exceedingly great army. 
the very people that you think will never be reached for God, the people that you've given up on are the very ones that God is going to raise up in this generation to take the gospel of the kingdom into another season, another generation. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Prophesy to those bones. I know in this place today, there's people that say, Pastor, that's right where I've been. I'm in a place of dryness. I'm in a place where it looks like that it's really hopeless. The circumstances are bleak and glim. But I want to tell you today, there is hope in his eternal word. If you'll trust him today, he can change the situation. You've just got to change your mind say, I'm going to believe the word of the Lord. Stand with me today, please. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you've known him and you've drawn cold and indifferent in him, today's your day to change your mind. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, there's a, I believe God, I love God, but my valley's dry, my bones look bleak. But I want to trust him today. I want to begin to prophesy over some situations, my dream, my marriage, my finances, my children, whatever it is. I want to stand up and prophesy to it today. If this word is for you, minister to you, I want you to come and I want to put my faith with yours. Let's believe God for your situation today.